Hey everyone, welcome back to Lash Boss Radio. This is Shelby, your host, and I have a little life update for you guys. If you didn't already know, I did have my baby. Um, Blake is doing great. I had him on the 28th of January and he's such a good baby. I'm doing great as well. I have been sharing a little bit about motherhood and just how everything's going on my personal page and also a little bit on Lash Boss Radio's Instagram. I went into recording Overdrive whenever I was pregnant, um, the last couple months of my pregnancy, that is, and I'm really excited to share with you guys all of the episodes that I recorded during that time. The first one is with Carly from Lashy Lady Studio. In this episode, we talk about the power of a consultation, targeting your ideal client, and also pricing your services, amongst other things. Carly is also the founder of When You Wish Upon a Lash, and she's partnering with Hope for Healing and putting on a three-day lash training event called Lime Lash at Disneyland in Anaheim, California. 100% of the proceeds from Lime Lash will be donated to Hope for Healing, which benefits families who are fighting Lyme disease. Tickets for the event are $500, but since you are a listener of Lash Boss Radio, if you're one of the first five people who contact Carly to sign up for the event, let her know that you're a listener of Lash Boss Radio, you will get $100 off of that ticket price, so you will only pay $400. The next five people who reach out to her will get $50 off, so all of the information will be in the show notes and also on Instagram, both mine and hers. So make sure to reach out to her if you're interested and get some savings. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And without further ado, here is Carly. All right, Carly, well, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So you've been in the beauty industry for 20 years and lashing for about a decade. So how exactly... Did you get involved in the beauty industry in general, and then why did you pick lashes? So I went to beauty college right straight out of high school. I finished a little bit early, and then I decided that that was the profession that I wanted. It was short schooling. I genuinely thought I was going to be a makeup artist, move to L.A. and go do all of that, but mm-hmm. I fell in love with skincare, body waxing, and I really pursued a uh, career in those things for mm-hmm. quite some time. Um, I did live down in Southern California and that's where I was introduced to lash extensions. They're brand new to the industry, um, about 10 years ago or so, and definitely fell in love with them. They were nothing like they are right Mm -hmm. now. Um, and then moving back to Northern California, I was offered a position to do lashes, um, up in Sonoma County where I am now. And I took it and fell in love with them, and the rest is history. I know you're a mom of two. How often do you work? Like, what does a typical day look like for you? So I start my days pretty early. Um, I either start around 7 a.m. or I start at 8.30, right after dropping the kiddos off at school. And then I work around their schedule. So during the school year, I work their school schedule. Mm -hmm. And then during the summer is where I have more flexibility and can work a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, my mornings starting early, though, those do help to fit in more clients, which is great because I'm working about mm, seven and a half to eight hours a 
um, per day on those. How was that like trying to build your clientele with those type of parameters with your time? For sure. So um, again, that goes a little bit more into demographic, like who was my target clientele while I was um, promoting myself as a lash artist and gaining my clientele. Um, I'd have to say that probably have a lot of moms, but there are a lot of working moms as well. Mm -hmm. I definitely have a lot of working class women who are professionals and they come in on their lunch hour. Um, I have a lot of lawyers, a lot of women that are in that industry that want to look professional. They also want their eyelashes to maybe look a little bit more natural per se. They don't Mm -hmm. want thick, heavy volume. So it's great for me. I can see them in an hour, get them in and out. And they usually come back and see me about every four weeks. They've got great retention. So I based my clientele on finding those that would fit obviously in my schedule to be Mm -hmm. a mom. Um, But it was easy to do once I found the right clientele who I could verbally explain my process and they felt comfortable and confident that they were going to have lashes left coming back at three to four weeks Mm -hmm. and getting a one hour fill with me. So yeah. What advice do you have for artists who are are starting to build their clientele, but um, maybe have a schedule like yours or maybe can only do nights or like, what do you suggest for them? I would say that definitely when you're starting out, um, I really crucially focus on my demographic because it's really going to tell you which way you should market um, on any platform, whether it be social media, your website, word of mouth. Those are three huge ways to market yourself. So knowing who your target audience is um, really, really matters because it's going to determine whether or not you're going to spend the $500 that you have on marketing to put an ad on shopping carts because Mm -hmm. you know moms are going to be seeing that or if you're going to be putting posters up in local colleges because you want the girls that um, are coming from that environment Mm -hmm. or whether or not you're gonna go and advertise inside of law offices and really hustle that way to bring menus and business cards into environments where those women are working they have the money to pay And they're going to be able to come in and see you on their lunch breaks or take the time away from their schedule because they're going to work at a different Mm -hmm. time and prioritize their schedule around what they want as well. Yeah. It's really important to kind of like have a plan and almost work backwards. Like who is the woman or man that you want to target and then where are they? Like how, how do you find them? Yeah, for sure. Right. Like finding your audience you want to find the right one that they're going to listen to you and be there with full open ears rather than hear you for five seconds and walk away because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not their, it's not their jam that what you're saying isn't really what they want to hear. So. Absolutely. So once you have um, acquired a client, um, 
our main goal is to obviously have them keeping, you know, coming back in, getting fills, being good clients too matters. And we want our clients to take care of their lashes and, you know, show up on time and stuff. So what advice do you have for artists um, who are not only trying to acquire clients, but keep the ones that they have like right off the bat? So I would say, I like to always, especially in like mentorships, I like to always dial it back to your first initial interaction, which would be for us, the consultation Mm -hmm. and your consultation can really show that you're either going to be the difference between shopping at Walmart or shopping at Nordstrom. Mm -hmm. I always love using that analogy. It's, it's the ideal situation to showcase your skills and if we view this consultation that we have um, as our clients being able to now easily understand our lash lingo, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. it's really going to help the client to understand your purpose. What change are you going to achieve for them? What goal do they have in mind that now you've just a hundred percent cemented in their brain? Like, wow, she really gets me. She understands Mm -hmm. They, they, they totally and completely understand what I want to get out of these lash extensions. Um, And so without really knowing a client and knowing how we as artists can give them that custom and luxury design, that's where the consultation should matter and should be, your first and foremost. Um, I loved this thought that a mentor once told me that your consultation should be 90% listening, 10% advising, and 0% selling. Mm. To me, that rings true and holds so much in my heart because if you can't listen to a client and you can't really advise Uh, you know, really listening to them means that they're taking in that you care and you care about what they want. And then that 10% advising is where your skills are showcased and you are able to really shine, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Does that make sense? Yep. It really does. Um, All right. I, I feel like sometimes too, like, consultations for newer artists are almost like really nerve wracking. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like they just want to get through it and have them laid down. And, um, that's how mistakes happen too, because it may just be that you just got something wrong. Like you didn't get enough information from them too. Right. So like for me, I mean, you never want to stop giving free consultations because in a, whether you're an OG like me or whether you are new, asking questions, sitting with the client, giving them your time and helping them to understand what you're doing and what your process is, is going to be what solidifies it to either be that sale for you or whether they're going to maybe come in one time and you're not going to have the repeat business because we all know that our bread and butter is repeat business. It's not the new sets. It's not people coming in and just getting one time large uh, purchased service. That's not what is going to pay our bills for forever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So starting them off with that 
good communication of between a client and an artist as a relationship, that's everything to me. You need yeah. to have that. And I, I really feel like any good relationship, no matter who you are, not even just talking lashes is good communication and compromise. Those are two things that you're going to go a hundred percent into detail with during a consultation. That's good. So that's just building a great relationship. Right. So, um, because time is so valuable and, um, we wouldn't want to waste it or even sell ourselves short. Mm-hmm. There's always this debate we see, should I charge by week or should I charge by time? Right. What do you say to that? So here's why I sell my time. Because again, like what you said, we have, as OG lash artists, we have examples of we sell by lash. You could get sets that were 60 lashes, 100 mm-hmm. lashes, etc. You know, we used to sell by those, or you could sell for your fills, you'd sell by two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, or you knew that it was a new set or things like that. The reason why I sell my time is because I, as an artist and as a business owner, knew I have a bottom line. There's Mm -hmm. a bottom line that I have to make in order to pay all my bills, pay my employees, pay out um, when I used to pay out independent contractors or vice versa. There's rent. There's things that you have to pay. So Mm -hmm. I wanted consistent clients and I knew that. I needed to have expectations of them, which in turn meant that they had to have expectations of me. So uh, whether it's new clients or regular clients, you have to put in the factors that I can only work so fast. So I had to have realistic lash goals, so to say, and so did the clients of me. Um, And to, again, going back to, my clientele and my demographic, it was what worked for them. They were the ones asking me for faster appointments or 45 minutes or an hour. So I knew that I had to set a bottom line of, I can't work any less than an hour, let's say. Um, So that's why that was one major thing that had to do with why I charge for my time versus having a bunch of different numbers be thrown out all over the place. Right. I I agree. I charge my time as well. And I, I just think it's so, um, it just leaves so much room for the client to almost have the control in this professional yes. relationship too. If you give them like the one week, two week, three week thing, because then they're, they're really just picking like, I guess how much money they want to spend. Whereas right. the timing thing, it's like, no, you need to come back in this many weeks because you wear a ton of makeup or you're super active or you're super oily or all of these other factors where we're recommending to each individual client, like what they actually need. Cause some people can go every three or four weeks while some people need two. like it just depends. And if we're not the ones recommending that and we're putting that in the hands of the client, it just, it, it almost makes you resent the client too. I would say. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, I feel like too, in a way, it would be amazing if all the lash community could pick one or the other. It would be fantastic because yeah. it, in a way, what's hard is it, 
creates like um, these price wars that you want to say where where in reality everybody in this industry a hundred percent wants collaboration and community over competition but all we're doing is creating price wars if we can't pick and pick one side or the other and I think in my opinion everyone is worth their weight in gold like you are the artist you are you know amazing at what you do and so therefore you should be able to charge what you see fit and most of the time that all falls in into timing you're charging for your time it's not something I see in any other industry like if you hair done they're not like oh well it's been six weeks or Mm -hmm. 12 weeks like it's not like that (laughs) or when you get your nails done like any of that so it's just so odd I would I wish too that there were certain things that it could just be one way even just like hearing about people doing patch tests like I just Mm -hmm. just so many things I could just go into so much detail but it's yes that's we'll have to have another podcast for those (laughs) seriously (laughs) <laughs> but this is literally why I started doing Lash Boss Radio was because I had so many like words for those artists that like needed just a little bit extra guidance. And I wanted yeah. to share that in, you know, a kind way and in an informed way and use right. like other people who, you know, have done amazing things in the industry to like help show them the way, you know, so Totally. I, and, yeah. and, and on that note, you know, you want to also acknowledge there's, there's a time and a place. So we all have to start somewhere. Yes. So if we start at charging $50 for a classic set, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in that game because that's where we're at. We realize that we don't have the speed yet. We don't have maybe the skill of somebody who's been doing this for a decade or five mm-hmm. years or even two years with how, um, you know, we live in, I guess that's a whole nother pivoting, but we, <laughs> that we could talk about with the microwave society of how fast everyone learns everything now. Yeah. But, you know, to dial it back to that discussion is that there's no shame in that. It's just a matter of when you do have the skill and when you are bringing the bar up for this industry, it would, it would be great to all be on the equal play, an equal playground where everybody just knows like, Hey, this is the standard. So no one's under undercutting. Nobody's playing these price war games, nothing like that. So. Exactly. Yep. Um, so I love getting to this part of each episode with the guests, um, to find out what they feel like in their life was a failure, but it ended up being a good thing. Um, so do you have a favorite failure? So I do, I actually have two. I'm, I was really not expecting to ever own a business like this. So my favorite failure had to be that when I, my last job ended, it wasn't a hundred percent mutual. I had a wonderful job. I loved my job. I loved who I worked for, but they had different goals and I 
didn't quite fit into that bubble anymore. And so I was sort of left with this decision of what do I do with my life? Um, and I started my business out of my dad's little spare apartment that he rented for his uh business that he has he does inspecting for hospitals and schools so long story short he had a separate apartment and he's like well you could just work in there for a little while and I genuinely felt like oh my goodness what did I do wrong how do I figure this out and then lo and behold I now have Lashy Lady Studio and super grateful five years later can't even believe the you know whirlwind of owning a business that it's been and the beautiful people that I've been able to work with and who I've just been able to get to know people like you like along this journey I never ever thought mm -hmm. anything like that would happen and so I'm really grateful for that kind of bump in the road you know yeah for sure I, I think um, sometimes uh just going down, going through things, you end up going down the path that you're supposed to be on. And sometimes it's like a little bit uncomfortable, but. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I guess the second is for, I'd love to put it out there for business owners who have, you know, gone through maybe some of the things that happened. Um, for me, this was my second feeling. Let's see. So my second was, that I chose to simplify my business after I lost my brother to suicide suddenly. Um, I was already running my business as a sole proprietor um, on my own and it was, it was getting to be really hard. I was in about the second to third year of my business. I was raising two boys, maintaining these professional relationships with 13 other girls. I was doing in-house trainings. I had, dialed back the um, out-of-studio trainings just because I knew that that was already getting to be too much. Um, at that moment in time, I was also like halfway in trying to launch my own lash products. And we were really looking at second and third locations and mm -hmm. trying to raise the bar um, on the community of lash studios here. Mm -hmm. And Literally, when I say it, Shelby, it was all the things, like all these things wrapped into one. And when that happened, I took, of course, a step aside. I stepped aside for a few weeks and really put things into perspective. And obviously, family for me is always first. I'm, I'm an advocate for, you know, work hard, but then go home to your family. That's what we work so hard for. Enjoy, enjoy the blessings of that. But what really mattered was what I took away from that situation. And in reality, when I went back to work, um, my business was always like my third baby and I had all these wonderful employees and other independent contractors that I had the privilege to work beside. Mm -hmm. But going back to work, I really felt this huge obligation that I needed to come back full force as strong as I was before everything happened. And that I 
was going to just somehow maintain and then realized that I had to really, again, I had to really put into focus and simplify and focus on that work-life balance that I wanted mm-hmm. and to enjoy some of the fruits of my labor, right? So mm-hmm. after a couple of years of being in business, I thought, you know what? Okay, this is this was my wake-up call. I need to figure it out. I just, I want to maintain this work-life balance. So in the part of failure, I felt like I had failed everyone because I couldn't now keep this little happy. I always think of the little engine that could. And I yeah. felt like that was me. And I had to always just put a smile on my face and mm-hmm. keep everything going along. And I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I, it scared me. I'll be a hundred percent honest. It scared me as a business owner because I felt like, gosh, I can't do this anymore. I can't do what I used to do. Yeah. So what led to my blessing a hundred percent out of that feeling like a failure was that it made me realize that I love being a mentor. I love helping others succeed mm-hmm. in growing their businesses And I love watching other people really find their passion, own it, hone in their skills, and like float off like a little butterfly. (laughs) Um, I felt so proud at those moments because I did. I, I simplified the business as people would decide to leave. I didn't replace them. I didn't. It just wasn't my goal anymore to have a big business. So, um, that took that, this is all like months of (laughs) unwrapping it all into a little ball here, (laughs) but I was really grateful because I realized what my superpower was and it wasn't to run a business. It wasn't to be a boss lady to so many. It was to cultivate and develop and cherish the relationships as they came to me and really help them grow and start their own so that was it (laughs) out of curiosity do you still keep in touch with some of um, the old staff I do yeah I do definitely and I have girls too that um, some of them decided to go and they don't they're not in the industry anymore I see them all the time and I see a lot of my girls now it's really great they're awesome. and they're doing really well they're flourishing really well in the community and um, that's my biggest thing is just not to create I, why create competition when you can create a space where everybody feels like they have a place yeah. and in our industry, again, to touch on that, you know, microwave society now that we live in with YouTube and how fast everyone does learn skills. I won't say that they're 100% because I'm a firm believer in um, you need to put in the time and the work and the effort to be truly great at something. And I don't ever believe I'll master anything because I know that I'll never know everything. Um, So that's just my train of thought. But as far as that goes, you do have girls coming straight out of school that just want to 
create their own space and have their own space and run their own business. And that's great. And so you've got to realize as a business owner, do you want to fight that or do you want to go along with it and have a healthy, happy community of people that you can all rely on and know that each of you can share clients if one of you wants to go on vacation or whatever and know that there's not going to be any competition behind that. So, yeah, I, I will say, you know, as you were saying all this, it reminds me of like just a struggle, I guess, that all business owners with employees kind of go through where it's like you Mm -hmm. want the best for people and sometimes Mm -hmm. you think you know what's best for them and you feel like that's under you right Um, but sometimes that's not what they're meant to do but it it just becomes like kind of cloudy when it's like there's money involved and to train someone that's that costs time and money and so it's just hard whenever then you know you have like the employee who is they sometimes feel uncomfortable telling you their goals and then they may mm-hmm. leave without you really expecting it and then sometimes it gets messy just depending on like what their projection of it is like they may mm-hmm. think like that they have to be ugly or leave on bad terms because they feel like that's the only way they could like make the split there's always right those conflicts I feel like that I never anticipated when I went into business. Did you feel like you felt kind that like conflict whenever you were, um, employing all of those girls? Oh yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's not all roses and butterflies over here, you know, but I definitely think that keeping an open mind as a boss in this industry, like, So for example, if I was to talk to my husband and he does, he's a crane operator, he, it's a totally different industry. They can't go buy cranes and start a whole crane company for $500. Whereas, you know, you look at a lash artist and if all they want to do is lashes, it's not that much of an investment for them to go out and start on their own. And they, they don't look at the bigger picture and when you run a business and you run it right and you run it honestly and you pay your taxes and you do everything that you're supposed to do and you follow all the laws and all the rules the overhead is I mean we all know it's crazy so they're not looking at all of those things yeah and I do think that they're they're justified for wanting to go out on their own that's completely understandable they've been sold a dream in school they've been sold a dream by other estheticians who have maybe had it easier than them or things like that so there's nothing wrong with that dream or that goal but i would say from a business owner's perspective have your contracts in line a hundred percent so that when you do train if you don't have somebody who is willing to sign a contract for you to train them that they're going to owe you money if they leave within two to three years, then they clearly have a different path in mind. And that as a business owner for me is a a big red flag and probably is for everybody who owns businesses because Mm -hmm. you know how um, much of a high turnover this industry is. Yeah. So, you know, they've already got one foot out of the door if they don't want to yeah. sign a contract. Absolutely. So that's probably the only thing I could say that 
keeps both parties in being uh, consistent in that transparent relationship. Like right. I have a contract that they sign if I do a training with them, whether they're an independent contractor or whether they're an employee for me, it's going to be the same thing. Like I'm taking my time and I'm training you. So this is what it would cost. And if you leave within this time that I haven't been able to recoup my costs, then you're going to owe that. So I think honestly, I guess having a realistic boundary now in my head is the only thing that has kept me from being resentful in a way to some that have left. Yeah. Because it's hard. You you invest a lot of your time. You invest a lot of your own money. You invest and in everything. And time is money. So when that gets um, walked all over in a way, it's that it doesn't feel good. <laughs> exactly. Um. So I know that we just talked about how you you do like mentorships now. Um. Tell me about that and all that you've got going on this coming year? Yeah, so big things. I'm super excited. We're actually going to be collaborating with a local clothing store. So we're going to, I'm going to actually have a business partner sooner than later, which I'm super stoked on. Um, She's going to run the retail side and then we're going to do lashes. So it was a way to bring fashion and beauty together. Um, in my local community. I'm huge, 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 huge on community. We did a giveaway here last year for our anniversary and there was almost, um, yeah, I think it went over $2,000 worth of uh, goods and services and food and all kinds of great stuff that the whole local community here in Sebastopol gave to do a big giveaway for everyone so we could all support each other. So yeah, so I think everybody watch for that for sure on social media. I'll be doing that again next year. It was amazing. But um, that's probably our biggest thing. My trainings, I focus primarily, I am with everyone 100% on that. In this industry, a two-day course doesn't feel like enough. Mm -hmm. So I really dialed those back and I don't focus on them anymore. I don't train classic lashes necessarily or volume lashes um, from start to finish anymore because I feel like, again, I've been doing this for 10 years and I'm not finished yet. Mm -hmm. So I focus on the mentorships where they really go into detail, different subjects, and I take it on a one-on-one basis most of the time so that I'm able to have email back and forth, really understand the maybe walls that someone's hitting right now and help them to get over them and focus on everything from like what we've talked about business to how to make better volume fans, how to apply them in a way that's going to change their sets. Uh, proper adhesion isolation like whatever it is that they're going through and they want work to work on that's what I would like to work on I kind of like how it's it's focused on what their needs are and just like really just hitting on all of those things that they came to learn so that's that's pretty cool but do you like have them come with a set of questions or 
Yeah. So I actually have them email those to me prior because I like to be very, I'm a very prepared person. Yeah. <laughs> I like to be prepared and already know what I'm going to talk about. That way I'm not wasting time with them thinking about, you know, oh wait, there could have been this one thing mm -hmm. that I really wanted to talk to them about, or this one tool that could have really helped and utilize, they could utilize and things like that. So I, yeah, when we get the um, conversation rolling, they'll just email me back about anywhere from five to 10 questions that usually takes up the two hours of us discussing. And then I'm able to do some hands-on work with them as well. So cool. Thank you. Um, well, my last question, one of also my favorite questions is, um, do you have a favorite quote or just like a motto? I do. My favorite quote is going to be, always remember to smile. Laughter is essential because it really truly is. It's the best medicine it's the best way for us to live our lives. If you can't find something to smile about and laugh about, I really don't know. I don't know how I'd be in this life. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening today. Any relevant links to this episode will actually be in the show notes. And if you would like to be featured on the very next episode of Lash Boss Radio, make sure to send in your questions in audio or written form to my email or to my Instagram DMs. Your question will be answered by either myself or the next guest on the show. I hope you guys have a great week and I will be back very soon with the next episode.